Welcome to the Bariatric Nutrition Coach Podcast, where we empower you with weight loss surgery, nutrition knowledge, mindset advice, and inspiration, so you succeed in your weight and health journey. I'm your host, Jane Stoltz, and I am a bariatric dietitian who has helped over 1,300 people on their weight loss surgery journeys. I'm also a solo mum, lover of long walks while listening to podcasts, partial to a glass of wine, and the ocean is my happy place. Join me as I dive deep into bariatric nutrition and lifestyle topics and deliver them to you in bite-sized, palatable episodes every Monday. Now let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Bariatric Nutrition Coach podcast. In this week's podcast, I'm chatting with Mabel Joseph. She is a sleeve mindset coach and her business is Beyond the Sleeve Academy. And I am a guest on her podcast, but it was a very valuable chat. And I wanted to share the podcast with you here. I talk about the top three areas of nutrition after weight loss surgery that cause confusion. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome to another week of the Honestly Podcast. This week I have my friend Jane. She is a bariatric dietitian. And this week we are going to be talking about the three things that bariatric patients do when it comes to nutrition that is slowing them down or stopping them from getting to their goal. So Jane, I want you to introduce yourself and let's get to the first point. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Mabel, for having me. And since I have now have my own podcast, I'm used to being in the driver's seat and now, now I am a guest, so I'm going to have to really make sure I <laughs> I, I follow your lead. So wonderful. <laughs> My name Mm -hmm. is Jane Stoltz, and yes, I'm a bariatric dietitian or weight loss surgery dietitian. I'm Aussie, as you can tell, and online I go by Bariatric Nutrition Coach, and I work solely online now, and I help people before and after their weight loss surgery. I educate and support them so they know not only what to eat, and I think that's what people feel dietitians do, is just tell you what to eat. But I also work very much around the how to eat after Mm. weight loss surgery, helping people get the best results and also how to live well and find balance in the long term after their surgery. And I'm really excited today to talk about these three areas that people struggle with in the after weight loss surgery. I love it. And, you know, our community really struggles with this because we eat in a certain way for so long. And for many of us, we believe that once we have the surgery, we're automatically gonna have this sense of willpower and something magical is gonna happen where we automatically change our behaviors and the way we eat, but it never works that way. We have to learn how to eat for the goal that we're trying to get to. Yes, and also, Mabel, there is so much information out there and I think that Mm -hmm. adds to confusion. As well as there's also what information people get given from their bariatric surgeon or surgery Mm -hmm. center or what they're not given. And if they're Mm -hmm. not given information and really, you know, have questions, which people do, which is fair enough and we want them to, they go looking for it online. 
and there's a lot of information and it really does confuse people because it's quite conflicting. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that really adds to it. And there's just so much change required or asked of people after weight loss surgery. As you said, people have been eating and living in a certain way for a long time. Old habits die hard and also mm -hmm. behaviour change is really hard. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, it's anytime someone says, you know, this is going to be easy or I just did this and this worked for me easy and all of that. I always say warning bells because behaviour change is hard and takes time. And, you know, I've never used the word journey so much in my life until I specialised in the area <laughs> of bariatric surgery because it is a journey. It's not get your surgery done and everything's going to fall into place, silver bullet or whatever they call it, and you're set for the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about food. Just mm -hmm. all falls into place. And I think some people do enter their bariatric journey a little bit like that. So I've seen somebody that has lost some weight, you know, seemed to fall off them and that person said they didn't get much appetite for like years and years and all of that and they don't have that same experience and then they really go mm -hmm. looking for answers and the confusion increases mm -hmm. very very true I totally agree with you it's definitely a journey yep so talk to me what <laughs> is the first yes. mistake or yep. the first things people are confused about yeah, so look, if we're talking top three, so there's not obviously only three areas, but if we're talking top three, I mm -hmm. have, it'll probably come as no surprise or it's a really common area. And I've got the kind of topic of protein as a big area of confusion. Mm -hmm. And there's several parts to this and several, you know, areas that people get really confused about with respect to protein after weight loss surgery. And... As a macronutrient, before surgery in the dieting world was all about reducing carbs. That's what we are currently in the trend of in the dieting world. It used to be fat and now, you know, people are avoiding carbs. And all of a sudden, protein is the key thing that we're looking at. People don't understand why it's so important after weight loss surgery. So I do a lot of educating and talking about why it's so important. And not only is it important to keep muscle, lean body mass on and health, but also it helps your body feel comfortable to lose your adipose tissue, your fat tissue. Getting adequate protein, a deficit of calories, but not too much of a deficit. And your body goes, I'm being fed regularly. I can lose my fat stores. Also, mm. people aren't clear on how much they need. So... The American guidelines, the ASMBS and those American bariatric surgery guidelines are also what we use in Australia. And they will say 60 to 80 grams of protein and 60, you know, is roughly attached generally, I think, to women and 80 to men. But they are quite old guidelines, although though that 60 to 80 grams is quite old. A lot of people, sorry, I'll back up, old with respect to the research and the evidence behind that guideline. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. They've been in place for some time. Lots of evidence is coming out that we actually need more per day. And you don't actually need more protein after bariatric surgery. You just can't eat a lot. Your volumes are right down and meet your protein goal we're very focused on protein. You know, it becomes the star on your diet and people say they feel like they're just eating protein, protein, protein. 
But when I mean they're not clear, people aren't clear on how much they, they need to have. Often they're told from surgery, this is how much, that's one. But actually your protein goal and how much you need over time does change. Mm-hmm. And also people are really confused and struggle with how to reach that goal. You know, mm-hmm. so the whole umbrella of protein is that there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of the pieces don't fall into place easily. And I'll come back to this a bit later with one of the other areas that people really get confused about. But it's one of the key areas that people really struggle around. I agree. For a lot of my clients, they struggle with getting all the protein in. It becomes a struggle for them. Because we're restricted in the amount that we eat. So it is really weird to come from a place where you eat so much and then you don't eat so much. It just feels weird. So for a lot of my clients, they struggle with finding a routine to be able to consume more protein. And a lot of my clients are like confused about the amount. They're getting mixed information. They're listening to other people and the information that they get. And it's hard for them to make a decision and just follow through with it because there's so much information out there. Yes. Some people are told a certain amount, say let's just say 60 grams. And that's a great first goal after weight loss surgery because you can't eat and drink very much. And that's climbing on a little mountain to get there, so to speak. That takes Mm -hmm. time. People Mm -hmm. also expected to get there in week two after weight loss surgery can take you longer than that. Other people from their centre are told a figure of, say, from word go, 90 grams. It is going to take time to get there. And when people don't meet that in the early days, they feel that they're not doing well. Something's not going right for them. Other people can do it. Or they try and force food or high-protein shakes down past their comfort level. And so that then creates other issues because things are coming up, they don't feel great. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot around this area that really throws people off course. And if you keep on struggling, it's not unexpected that people then throw in the towel and say, you know, I'm just going to eat what I can eat. And they just don't know how to move forward. So I always say, well, look, in the early days, let's make our first goal 60 grams. And that's for everyone. When you're there, then we move forward and do more of a personalized goal. And that will also change over time. And there are different Mm -hmm. things that will impact people's need for protein. But yeah, getting your protein, it can feel like your whole diet is protein. And it can people get a bit of a resentment towards protein, like not protein again. But the lovely thing is about protein is it's a high satiety nutrient. So what that means is in the long term, it's a, you know, when you have more protein, it fills you up sooner, gets you satisfied sooner with less calories and it keeps you satisfied for longer. So really mastering protein is a wonderful skill to have. And that's why great support building you up. And it's a journey over time to really get to that point where you know how to get that protein in, get really comfortable about having great meals and snacks, have great protein content, because later on down the track, when your appetite comes back more, you have more of an appetite, you want to do more activity, you know how to keep yourself satisfied for good periods of time with lower energy intake. So 
the area of protein is really key. And I think what really needs to underpin this area is people really understanding why it's so important. Why do we bang on about it all the time? Because so many people don't understand it. Just as like, oh, if I just eat a few 800 calories and I keep my carbs down, surely that will be enough, you know? Mm-hmm. I just wrote something down while you were talking. A lot of the times what I see is that people are so focused on rushing the progress to get to the end goal that they lose focus on gaining the habits as they're like going through their journey so that eventually as their appetite gets, like as their stomach is able to take in more food, they'll have that habit develop. And they're not like struggling because a lot of people start struggling when they're able to eat more. But if in the beginning you start building that habit, you won't feel like you're going to lose control because you're gaining the habits to eat in a certain way and to focus on nutrition. Totally agree. And that's why I advocate for great support and education from the early days. From week three after surgery, if I'm working with someone at that stage, we are starting to practice those habits. Are you perfect? No, but you're starting to learn them. Eating regularly, small bites, chew well, eat slowly. Three bites of protein, one bite of other, other are vegetables, whole grains or fruit. Start those habits. And, you know, people think, oh, habits, it, it's really not the sexy stuff, let's say. It's not the quick fix stuff, but it's what will get you the best results from your surgery. And I do say this all the time, the habits that help you get the best results from your surgery are the same habits that will help you keep those results. They're the Mm -hmm. same habits you keep practicing. And it's really about, for me, when I'm working with clients, it's about approaching your new life after weight loss surgery as a new life, self-care, nourishing, nurturing yourself, healthy habits, and kind of leaving that dieting mindset and that type of mindset and moving into that lifelong self-care healthy mindset. Now tell me, is this you? You have had your bariatric surgery and you're feeling lost. You're lacking support and you don't know what to eat and when. Or you may have noticed after your surgery, your hunger and cravings have started to return and you are scared you won't reach your goals. You may have had some weight regain and you wanna stop the weight regain and lose some more weight. You may be pre-surgery and you want support to be fully prepared for your weight loss surgery journey. If any of these sound like you, then listen up. I have developed my bariatric nutrition bootcamp just for you. My coaching program provides education, coaching and community for people getting ready for their weight loss surgery and at every stage after their surgery. There are four key areas that I focus on with my clients in my bariatric nutrition bootcamp. One is the bariatric nutrition basics. You will learn what and how to eat so you feel satisfied, reach your protein and fluid goals and have less cravings and know how to manage your hunger in the future. Meal ideas and meal planning. You'll learn to plan meals and snacks that you like 
so you have great options on hand when it comes time to eat. Also, we focus on mastering weight regain habits, identifying any habits that are stopping you from reaching your goals and create manageable strategies to get back on the straight and narrow so you can manage your weight for the rest of your life. And also I focus with my clients in my bariatric nutrition bootcamp on learning to trust your body and food. Start to enjoy your food again by relearning to listen to your body cues so you have less guilt and improve your relationship with food and your body. If you are ready to maximize your weight loss surgery results, feel confident in your journey and be led with support and expert guidance, then the Bariatric Nutrition Bootcamp is for you. If you would like to know more about my coaching program, check out the link in the show notes. So in my mind, I already hear some of my listeners saying, well, it's too late for me. I'm a year out. I didn't do it correctly. It's going to be a struggle. If this is you, I want you to stop. It is not too late. It doesn't matter that you did not do it in the beginning. It is not too late for you now. What do you think? Absolutely, totally agree. I wouldn't want anyone to think that when I was saying that you can pick up, and I work with people all at different stages, you could start practicing these habits and work on them at any stage. Mm -hmm. uh, so totally agree. I've used this analogy um, a few times and it's around driving or thinking about your weight loss surgery, the tool of weight loss surgery as like a new car and whether you mm -hmm. drive it in manual and do the work and know how to maneuver it and get the best out of it or do you let it do drive it in automatic? And some people will have the early days, it's in automatic. The taller surgery is doing most of the heavy lifting, getting those results. And then people can start to eat more and can say, okay, I really need to start learning how to use this tool that I have of weight loss surgery. So I use that car analogy because I think people can relate to that. But it's never too late at all. I like to encourage people if they are in the early part of the journey, not to be too complacent. That's what, you know, or feel that the bariatric surgery, the tool is going just to do it all for you. Mm -hmm. I agree. The other thing I wrote down about what you said was that the habits and behaviors are not sexy at all. <laughs> but I think a lot of the confusion about that is them not understanding why it feels so hard. And it's not because it's them personally, but it's just the way your brain operates when you're doing something different. It's just going to feel like you're walking on mud. It's going to feel like you don't know what you're doing. And it's really about overcoming your brain's natural tendency to like stop you from doing something new. Because it's, it's an automatic, just like a car. Like it automatically, once you know how to drive, you automatically just know how to drive. But when you're beginning, there's the thinking about it. There's like, you brake by mistake, you accelerate by mistake. Like, you know, those silly mistakes Run you make in the, the road. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're off track. <laughs> exactly. And the more you do it, the yeah. more it just becomes something you naturally do. Exactly. 
and it's hard, you know, and as I said right at the beginning, it's, you know, creating new habits is hard and it's one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also why I talk a lot about compassion with my clients and asking them to approach their journey with self-compassion and also that perfection is not needed mm-hmm. because I think also many women go into their weight loss journey feeling they have to do everything exactly right to get to their goals and that they're aiming for perfection. And it's that whole dieting mindset of good, bad, black, white, all of that on off track today. I'll just leave it. You had a bad day. Today was a good day. So, you know, all of that comes into play and old habits die hard. Yep. And you know, creating new habits is really about one step at a time. And it's also about two steps forward sometimes and one step back. But it's that's why we want to look at progress over more of the long term, not over short term. I totally agree with you. What is the second thing that bariatric patients are confused about? This second one is does relate to kind of the early medium days after weight loss surgery and it's once people are on a full diet once they get that okay to go on a full solid diet from their bariatric center whether it's verbally or it's in their plan that they're given that they're going to stop their high protein drinks so at that point they feel it's all about they're going to eat their protein and guess what it's really hard to eat all your protein You need to keep up your high-protein drinks as part of your intake until you can comfortably reach your protein goals. Mm. So what happens is people get to that full diet. They haven't been a fan of high-protein drinks for a whole range of things. It's just not what they wanted to do. Great, I'm on a full diet. I'm just going to eat normally now. I'm going to eat all my protein. And what happens is their protein intake will drop. Drop because they can't physically eat all your protein. And it can take, and I never say how long it will take, but it just takes people different amounts of time to reach a point where they can comfortably eat adequate protein over the day. And then what happens is people start eating more uh, or trying to eat more food to get their protein up. They overeat. There's more pressure on eating. And they get themselves all kind of in a bit of a bind because they're overeating, they're not reaching their protein goals, they're feeling really crummy. What you're saying is that they're not, like they stop drinking shakes altogether, trying to get to their protein with like real food, but they should instead have protein shakes and their protein and slowly transition to Yeah. Like foods of substance. Exactly. So from week three after surgery, I've got people on five small meals a day. Two of those are Mm -hmm. meals, generally high protein shakes. And over time, people can get to then only having one shake a day. And then it's just really gradual. But it's we start dropping shakes. And sometimes people need three shakes a day and two food meals to reach their protein Mm -hmm. goals. It's very individual. Mm -hmm. But over time, as people can eat more, we drop a shake and we do it really gradually. I don't want any of my clients, and when I'm working with someone, 
we don't want that pressure to be, I have to eat more food past that I'm satisfied to reach my protein goal. Because one of the key things that I think is really important after weight loss surgery is relearning to listen to your body. Mm -hmm. Relearning to listen to your hunger and fullness cues. And yes, they can be very different after weight loss surgery. They're not as strong in the early days. I say to many people, there might be a whisper. They're not yelling. Those hunger and fullness cues might be a whisper. Also, they might be in a different language. So it might be runny nose. It might be a feeling around the shoulder or it might be a hiccup. You know, what are your cues when you've had enough? And they will change over time. And often over time, they're easier to identify when you are hungry and when you are satisfied. And I love the word satisfied because that's really where we want to stop eating. And I encourage people to practice this sitting quietly, small bites, chew well, eat slowly, stopping when you're satisfied uh, because that is one of the key things for long-term, listening to your body, stopping when you're satisfied. And often people feel that real, I know I've got to get my protein. I've been told I've got to get this much. Oh, I'm not having my shakes. I'm going to eat more protein. And they go past their comfort. They're satisfied. They eat more and they don't kind of listen to their body. So... The shakes are there, not forever. Some people do like a shake and often a busy mom, busy woman. A morning breakfast shake's lovely because the mornings can be really busy and they can get a good amount of protein. But, you know, the shakes aren't forever, but we need to use them and we want to use them until we are at that point where we can comfortably eat adequate protein. I love this point so much because I see it all the time where... People in the community are creating like this heavy experience around eating because they're like forcing themselves to get to a particular goal. And in the beginning, especially, it's like you have a new stomach. So sometimes you have to find out what protein you could actually have. Some proteins are not good, doesn't feel good anymore. So you have to experiment with that. And the protein shakes just makes it easy to just drink while you're trying to figure out the other proteins. Because I know for me in the beginning, steak was no good for me. Like it will make me feel so nauseous. And I just, with one bite, it just, it just did not feel good. So I knew I couldn't eat steak anymore. Now I can eat steak. I mean, it's been like four years. <laughs> Oh, it's been four years since I had my surgery, so I could definitely eat steak. But in the beginning, I did find myself having my shakes and testing out the protein. And even now, I still have the shakes when I'm like having a long, busy day. I still have a shake because I know like, okay, this is going to like subside my hunger. I know I'm saying that word wrong, but it is going to help me with my hunger. And then I still eat my real food, food with substance. Fantastic. And look, shakes can be really useful. We can get off the shelf, ready to go ones and have them as backup. For some people in their roles, in their jobs, in their careers, they can be in jobs where they go long periods of time, they can't sit down and eat nice and slowly, whereas they can have some a nice small shake here and there to help yeah, get them through until they can sit down and have mm -hmm. a nice meal. So they are really useful. 
And it's so much easier to drink your protein than eat it. It's very much of a mindset thing. If people are used to also drinking smoothies and things before surgery, it can kind of, I suppose, a bit more easier for them to get their head around uh, drinking some of their protein and energy after surgery. For some people, it's very foreign. And also if people have done OptiFast or one of those for liquid before surgery and they've had a not the best experience, it can be a little bit challenging on the other side. But there are so many different options available when it comes to drinking high protein shakes off the shelf. You can make things up and you can put some fruit in, you can get some fiber in there and really work out how to make the most of them. But that's definitely a key area, I think people get confused and people doing correctly. I also have people who go on the other end of the extreme and they just drink shakes the whole time, but it comes from a place of like being scared to eat real food. What do you think about that? Yes, I see that. I didn't put it on the list because I don't think it's as common as some of the other things, but definitely that really comes from quite an entrenched dieting behavior and wanting to really control your intake and not trusting food and not mm -hmm. trusting your body. So not trusting food because there's obviously more variability with food than with a shake that's really controlled, but also not trusting your body and feeling like you've had experiences where you've eaten food and you've put on weight and also not trusting your hunger and fullness cues. So whenever I'm working with somebody that is over-relying on shakes, it's a slow step-off process, introducing one meal a day over time and two meals and working on that trust and getting some balance. So it can definitely go on the flip side. Thank you so much for bringing that up. And while it's not as common as some of the other things, it's still quite common. Mm -hmm. Yeah, many times when I like get into their mindset, their main thought is, if I eat the real food, I'm going to gain weight. That's what they're thinking. Instead of like, let me learn how to eat and balance my meal. Or they think that they're going to lose control if they have something other than shakes. Yes. And as I mentioned just a bit before, there's that real history of dieting mm -hmm. and of that real control. And so it's very much working on that emotional side of your journey, not only on the physical side, doing small steps and feeling comfortable and supported at every step and feeling, you know, not like when you change something really drastically, you feel like you're stepping off a cliff and you just don't know if you're going to fall. It is one small step at a time and it's so worth doing because a very diet is a healthy diet and it's more enjoyable and it's sustainable. Right. So it's about finding balance after weight loss surgery. And that's why I talk about balance a lot, because in that dieting before surgery, there wasn't balance. And how to maintain all the successes that you have after your weight loss surgery and feel comfortable and that you're enjoying life and you can participate in all the events and you're not restricted or deprived. Mm -hmm. that's the place of goal, power, where we're aiming to get to. Right. And to create that balance, it almost is like you have to have to take risk. 
Like you have to put yourself out there and experiment. I tell my clients, like, you're a little scientist now. Like you are just curious. You're trying to figure out things so that you can create the life that you want around food, around your health, around your wellness. We're not going to make this heavy. We're going to be curious about everything and just documenting and evaluating from a place of like, we're just adjusting. This is not serious. You're not going to like ruin your whole journey. We're just experimenting. Fantastic. Love it. Yep. So tell me the third mistake. (laughs) So the third mistake or area of confusion after weight loss surgery that can really it's not slow people down distract people is that when they feel that there are special recipes that they need to follow or if they get that meal plan they're going to be successful so they're searching for food ideas meal plan and that's what they need that's going to solve their challenges that's going to give them their results if they just follow that everything's going to be fabulous and as a bariatric dietitian, I have seen that that is not the case. So do I give out some recipes? Yes, but we don't rely on them. We don't put all of our focus on them. There are no special recipes after weight loss surgery. It's all about having and learning how to build great meals and snacks centered around lean protein with some vegetables, fruit and whole grains on the side, small portions, knowing what your plate looks like, knowing how to eat. And I talk about my protein bites ratio, which is bites of protein to bites of other. And it's not about a special recipe or a meal plan. It's about learning to be in all different situations in your life, whether it be out at a friend's place for dinner, at a cafe, eating with your family, on a cruise at the buffet, learning how to choose great lean proteins and then put your other things, other foods around it and how to eat, how to listen to your body and your hunger and fullness cues. So that's success in the short term and also the long term. And it's around it irregularly. It is not the holy best meal plan. I've got it and I'm done. So it's very much around behaviour change. And this links to what we're talking about earlier, Mabel, around behaviour change is not the sexy stuff. It's not the easy stuff. It's not the quick win. It is the harder work to do, but the more powerful work to do and the work that will sustain your successes and build on them over time. Uh, So it's not only the what to eat, but it's the how to eat and learning that is the key. I love that point. While you were talking, I took some notes down and I got excited. That's why I kind of interrupted you. (laughs) So usually when my clients are doing that, like they believe there's a special meal plan, a special recipe, what they're doing is they're either trying to do things perfectly, which never works, or they are trying to rush the progress of getting to the result, right? Or they're not really trusting themselves to learn how to do it. So they feel like if they just follow this one thing, they don't have to follow themselves. 
Exactly. So that's, that's usually where it's coming from when yep. I work with my clients. Do you find the same thing for your clients? Totally. And I like the way you put it because I suppose I'm tackling it from that nutritional perspective, but that's what people are looking for. I think it's that jumping and wanting to move faster, getting everything better down. And, you know, it's human nature to look for the faster win, the quick win. We get up that way. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, it is investing the time and the effort into behavior change that's really going to help, as well as the education and really learning more about food, not the gimmicky stuff that you can see on the internet, but just the really good basic knowledge about choosing good products, how to build nice, simple meals, you do not need to be an amazing cook after weight loss surgery, and just learning how to meal plan and meal prep and do all those other things that I've been talking about. So that's definitely, I think, uh, the sparkly object that people get distracted about or, or with in the early days or even in any stage, really. But it's a right. bit of that sparkly object syndrome. Yes. And it's so beautiful. Like when my clients are coming up to me with these thoughts, I tell them it's more better. It's a better experience when you learn the skill set of eating because your relationship with food changes and food doesn't become like the main topic of your life. When you learn the skill set of eating, you are going about your life and eating food just becomes automatic. It's not always going to be this big thing, right? When you actually learn the skill set. I think a lot of people believe that whether they learn how to eat or not, in a way that feels good for them, it's always going to feel heavy. And the opposite is true. Once they learn the skill set, it just becomes automatic. So they'll never have to worry about it again. Like they'll probably think about things sometimes, but it just becomes this natural behavior. Just imagine like never having to think about this again because it just becomes automatic. Fantastic. Yeah. And I love the word automatic because that's essentially, you know, when we have those ingrained and old habits that we just, we do automatically. You brush your teeth, you do things automatically. There's less effort required. And that is what we're looking to build with these food choices and how you eat after weight loss surgery. Mm -hmm. So it's the hard work that will pay off in the long term. So we're looking for kind of not only are we looking to reach your weight loss surgery goals and all the things you've got there, you've got that when you have, most people will have some goals when they've had their surgery, but we're looking much further down the track. And I do talk to my clients about that. I'm looking much further down the track than even the time that we're working together because mm -hmm. I am wanting to set them up for long-term success long-term knowing how to manage their food choices and manage themselves if they go off track a little bit they know how to bring themselves back but they're they know how to practice these habits and yeah the habits we do all the time they require less effort and I love that word using the word in this conversation automatic so that's fantastic so I just came back from a trip to the Dominican Republic and 
I have ingrained so many habits and behaviors that I'm so proud of that when I was in Dominican Republic, I was truly eating naturally. I was eating in a way that aligns with my goal. And even when I had things that I usually wouldn't eat here in this country, it wasn't this big dramatic thing because I know how to trust myself, how to balance my food, right? Even going to the gym, I purposely researched where is the gym in the place that I'm staying? And I went and worked out. Like it wasn't this big dramatic thing. It was just who I was because I did the hard work in the beginning. Well, don't get scared people, not the beginning, but I did the hard work and now the person that I am today, I naturally just do these things. And I saw the people that I was with, it was a struggle for them because it was a lot of thinking required for them because they didn't develop the habits and the behaviors. So now they're put in this different environment and their brain is like losing control, but because they don't have that structure. This is why having the structure, getting the skill set, going to a nutrition, learning how to eat is so important because then it just becomes so easy. That's wonderful. And I'm so glad that you had that experience mm -hmm. and that you, sounds like you so appreciate all the hard work that you have put in to have such a wonderful trip and feel so relaxed and in the moment and not distracted by all of the diet and all of the others, you enjoyed your trip more, you felt confident. And I think that is where I want all my clients to get to is feeling confident, feeling relaxed, balanced. And I talk a lot about eating cycles and there's three eating cycles. And the one we really want to get to and work on and stay in mostly is the intuitive mindful and there's mm -hmm. no good or bad, there's balance in there and there's mm -hmm. being relaxed and enjoying all foods, but focusing on your goals, but having that option to explore different foods. And so that's wonderful. Right. Jane, let me tell you something. Five, six years ago, going on vacation would have turned into this big dramatic thing. All of a sudden I would have came back, gained 10 pounds and then all the guilt and shame and everything. And I didn't even gain one single pound. And if I would have gained something, it wouldn't even be a big deal for me. I would have just came back and went back to my normal routine and it wouldn't turn into this big thing. Fantastic. Isn't that wonderful, Mabel? And mm -hmm. I think it's really lovely to talk about it and describe kind of what it could have looked like and what it feels like now to show people it is possible. Mm -hmm. And it just brought back one of the, a memory of, I've had several clients over the years that would take their scales when they went on holiday oh. in their suitcase. Mm -hmm. And that feeling, I suppose, of just that, yeah, it, that dieting and just constant monitoring themselves. And it's not a free and relaxed place to be living. So good on you. That is wonderful. And I'm hoping that everybody gets in the same vibe because it just feels amazing. Anything else you want to tell us? <laughs> like a million things? Okay. If people listen to this podcast 
They love your vibe. They want to know more of how to work with you. Where can they find you? Ah, lovely. And I like the whole vibe thing. I must say it's probably more American than Aussie, but I certainly get it. So I'm on Instagram. My handle is Bariatric Nutrition Coach. Mm-hmm. I have a Facebook community group. So Bariatric Nutrition Coach Community, and that's free. Love that. And I am just about to launch my new website. And that will be next week. And I've got a website with lots of information about who I am and how you can work with me there. So I'll provide that link to you. Yes. On the show notes to this podcast, you can get all the information that Jane just told me right now. And also on my Instagram, on the post, you'll be able to get all the information. So Thank you, Jane, so much. I feel like we had a wonderful conversation. Oh, it was fantastic. Thank you so much, Mabel, for having me. I really love chatting with you. I'm sure we'll be doing it again. Yes, definitely. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And I would love to ask a favor. If you are finding value in my podcasts, if you are finding them interesting and you feel that they could be of value to someone else, please let other people know about my new podcast because I'm wanting to get the word out there. And if you could spare a minute or two, I would love you to rate my podcast and give me a review. I love reviews. Thank you so much for your time and I really look forward to being back in your ears next week.